warning. The program you're about to hear is absolutely filthy and thoroughly disgusting. Furthermore, listening to it will immediately turn you into a bottom. Bottom. Listen, when, when it's messy, it's a problem for everyone in the room. Correct. All ten of them. I'm proud to declare the Adam Sank Show and his ass open to the wind. Ass open to the wind. This is fuckery. <laughs> this is all fuckery. <laughs> fuckery, fuckery, fuckery. Powered by DNR Studios. And now... Give a warm round of applause to my friend and yours, Adam Sank. Yes, happy Halloween, all you witches and ghouls and goblins. <laughs> this is the Adam Sank Show. Halloween weekend here in New York City. We are back live. If you're listening live at 11 a.m. Eastern, Saturday, October 29th, 2022, dnrstudios.com or on the very fine DNRcast app, which is the only place you can hear this podcast live and throughout the week that it first airs. And that's only if you're a subscriber. Leave us your ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts or any other platform you listen at. Email me, me, anything you want at adam at adamsank.com. I respond to every email. Call and talk to us live on the Ass Hotline. The number is 804-TALK-ASS. That's 804-825-5277. If you're listening live right now, I'd really like to know how we sound. How are our audio levels? Let us know. It's a, con- it's a constant battle, and we're trying to fix it. Like the Facebook page. Get your ass merch at adamsank.com. Get vaccinated and boosted. Uh, stand with Ukraine. And my God, this may be the last time you guys uh, have an opportunity to hear me say this before the election – Vote. You have to vote. So much is at stake. And if you don't believe me, just, you know, do it anyway, just for shits and giggles. Uh, Vote, vote early, vote often. Um, Enough said. Our guest today is um, a lovely man, a good friend of mine, author, activist, therapist, and podcast host, Damon Jacobs. We'll be talking to him a little later in the hour. But first, I have breaking news. Uh, My co-host, Everyone's favorite chubby chorizo, Steve Cesaro, is unfortunately not here today <clears throat> because he tested positive for COVID. Now, he's asymptomatic. He's feeling fine. But obviously, um, he can't be in the studio with us. So we're very sorry. We will miss him terribly. But our great fortune is that I reached out at the last minute to everyone's favorite twinkster, comedian Drew Lausch, and he was able – to be the co-host today. So welcome, Drew Lausch. Thank you for having me. Drew. <clears throat> You're so dependable. I know, it's shocking, right? I called, you came running. Any, anything for you. You just ate Steve's bagel. Yeah. It How was, was it? It was, like, good. The onion aftertaste is, like, I'm. if I, like, uh, when I meet um our guests today, I'm going to have to have, like, a mint or something. Because it's, <laughs> like, it's, like, a perfect storm in my mouth right I know. Now. Steve likes scallion cream cheese. I had garlic cream cheese. So the two of us are both yeah. pretty foul. Yeah. JB has already <laughs> pointed it out. He's like, did, did you have onion? Um, speaking of JB, welcome him. JB Bursey, the queen of fuckery, is here. Hello. Hello, JB. Um, JB, any Halloween plans? Um, no, not really. No, no, no. I would think you'd love Halloween. <laughs> you know, I would. I would if if I wasn't broke. Mm. But, you know. Life. Yeah. You know, you can make a costume. Right, I just like shit money. you have around the house. Oh, well, shit I have around the house is a whole bunch of boy clothes. Talk directly into the microphone, please. The shit around the house is a bunch of boy clothes, and that's that, that's not my life. So, you know. You'd want to be a, a female costume. Correct. Mm. JB, are you transitioning? What's happening? I don't know. I honestly don't know anymore. All right. Well, we can talk about it another time. But I am curious because you're still presenting very male yeah, cause I, to us. Because I, I don't oh, – every time I try to, to venture out and do feminine shit, I get called faggot around my neighborhood. And it's real hard. Terrible. Yeah. So, like, I want to do what I feel, but I don't want to fight every day. Right. But you feel a strong need to, to express – a feminine side, or Correct. to or to actually be a woman. How are you identifying right now? I don't know. That to, that's actually be like. I feel like if I was a woman, maybe my maybe my mother would love me more. But oh I think no, that's a whole separate issue, honey. Trust me, um, she won't. <laughs> and that has nothing to do that. with your mother. That's just in general. That's See, life. That, she loves my sisters, and she 
treats them differently. JB, you're fucked. still going to be you. It's still going to be the same relationship. Uh, I know. Anyway. anyway, this took a sad turn from the get-go. <laughs> Um, and uh, I do want to it's talk so to you about deep. it. It's so deep. <laughs> Drew, are you okay? Yeah, of course. I'm like, yeah, let's let's talk about it. Um, I do, I do, I do hope that you continue to explore this, JB, with a therapist. Yeah, that that's the plan. Good. Um, well, in happier news, we <laughs> we got a new review this week, and I desperately wish Steve were here uh, because it kind of mentions him. This is from that Navy guy, 92. And he writes, I've been a huge fan of Adam Sank since the out days when he was a frequent guest on Derek and Romaine. This podcast was everything I had ever wanted from a podcast. Nothing super heavy today being the exception, funny and sexy. I'm usually a binge listener. And when I run out of episodes to listen, I always want more. These guys deserve all of the accolades and more. I've even started to warm up to the co-host that isn't Ryan, Shade. He actually wrote Shade. Seriously, this is hands down one of the podcasts that I absolutely love, and they consistently have the best guests. Adam, JB, and Chris, you all feel like my friends, and I have to remind myself that you don't actually know me. Keep up the great work. That's so sweet. So sweet. So I posted that, as I do to all the reviews, and I was like, thank you so much, Navy guy, but who the fuck is Chris? And then did, the list, this listener's name is Derek, and when Derek saw that on my social media, he was like, oh my God, I feel terrible. I meant Steve, of course. Mm-hmm. I was talking to my friend Chris, and I had the name in my head. So he's like, let me send Steve a present. What would he like? And I was like, oh, send a sex toy. And here's the address at Derek and Ro- at DNR Studios. Well... Apparently, there was some confusion because when the package showed up, it was addressed to Derek at DNR Studios. And, of course, Derek Hartley is the D in DNR. Sure. So he thought it was for him. So he opened it and talked about it on the, on the air on he their show. Very viciously. And what was he saying? Well, not, not, not she was talking about viciously. The way she opened the package was very vicious. Oh, I see. Like, yeah. God. And then throughout everything but, but the – Did know, he even – did they even read the card on the air? No. So, so he doesn't anything. read the card on the air. He doesn't, and he threw no. out the card. So we don't even know, Derek, what you said on the Damn. card. But uh, and Steve isn't here today. But I have <laughs> your, the beautiful dildo that you sent, and I will be uh, passing it along to Steve. I've already sent him a picture of it, and he was it's overjoyed for your pleasure. It, it absolutely is. We're all going to use it too. We're going to use it first, and then we're going to give it to Steve. Yeah, exactly. It's in me right now. <laughs> um, we all okay. Two minutes with it. Oh, also, I want to alert you listeners who don't pay um, that if you didn't notice already, I released a special bonus episode, which was Steve and JB and I doing a Derek and Romaine takeover from a couple weeks back um, when they were on the DNR crew. So uh, check out your podcast stream and you'll find the, uh, the that episode. It was It should be the one right before this one. Okay, let's do recommended viewing and uh, hit it, Gail. I hate this segment. Who gives a fuck what anyone else is watching on TV? This shit sucks. Thank you, Gail. Why don't we start with Drew Lausch? Is there anything you've seen lately? Movies, TV, Broadway, something you would uh, recommend? Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly. Uh, well, I mean, uh, me and the rest of America, but House of Dragon is really good. I don't watch House it, so tell us, why, tell us why you love it. I well, I'm like a Lord of the Rings bitch. Like I love that shit. Like I love, I love the books. I love that like fantasy world. But I mean, they. I after Game of Thrones, you know how it had like everybody was so mad about the ending because I kind of like rushed it. That's what happened. And so like before, I was like, oh, I don't know if I can watch another Game of Thrones series. But then I like started, and I was like, this is amazing. I feel like every gay in the world is into this, except for me. Like I feel like I sort of missed. The boat on no, on sci-fi. You're not the only one. I I don't get it. And I love fantasy and things. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I tried really getting into the original Game of Thrones, and then they just kept killing off people. I like. I was like, fuck this show. I would think that would be so like, up your alley. JB. Yeah, because JB is all about like Comic Con. Yeah. Well, yeah. Have you watched House of the Dragon? <clears throat> no. It's better. It's better. Again, I I remember watching Game of Thrones when it first came out. Yeah. And I was three seasons in. I couldn't get into it. Yeah. I just really couldn't. Also fair. Well, I'm glad that it's good for those of you who are into it. Um, JB, what uh what do you what have you watched that you like? Okay, so I <laughs> it's a dumb movie. I, I think everyone should enjoy it. Like Ryan Reynolds got shit for this movie, but I thought it was really fun and adorable. 
Uh, it's called The Hitman's Wife Bodyguard. <laughs> the Hitman's Wife? Oh, is it like a parody? Well, no, it's the, the sequel to the to the Hitman's Bodyguard with Ryan Reynolds and Samuel L. Jackson. But this one is involving Samuel L. Jackson's wife and with Ryan Reynolds. And it's just fucking great because I can't remember this actress name. Hold on. Is it a comedy? It's it's a, it's an action comedy. Hmm. Have you ever heard of this, Drew? No. I th- I, the no. Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. It's the yeah. worst title ever. It, it sounds really like is. a. It's, it sounds it's, like not another teen movie or one yeah. of those like satire movies. Yeah, it's really <laughs> okay. You guys, I'm telling you right now, it's bad, but it's fun bad. <laughs> like, and where did you watch it? I watched this on HBO Max. So connecting you with HBO Max, people watch House of Dragons. Take a wander onto you know <laughs> the Hitman's Wife Bodyguard. I'm gonna find this actress name. I'll I just be googled it because I I was sure Joe B, JB was getting the name wrong but it's actually called the hitman's wife's bodyguard and it's salma hayek Salma samuel hayek. l jackson and ryan she reynolds for me as the crazy jealous angry wife and i love every moment with her what a cast antonio yeah. banderas morgan freeman my god yes. all right well Fun i'm cast. i'm gonna recommend a psychological thriller that has gripped me. I could not stop watching it. Mm. It is on Hulu and it is called The Patient, starring Steve Carell. Mm. This is about a renowned psychotherapist, played by Steve Carell, who gets held hostage by one of his patients. And that's all I'm gonna tell you. I don't wanna spoil anything else for you, but it is intense, it is fascinating, it is so well-written and well-acted, and you know, it's like, eight or nine episodes, but it could really be a, like a play. It could be like a five-hour play. Cool. Because it's mostly just the two of them sitting in a room talking, but it is fascinating. Yeah. Um, so that is my number one for this week. Let's get into some news. And I want to start with some very sad news um, to bring you all down on this Saturday morning, and that is that Leslie Jordan has died at the age of 67. Um, anyone who's gay will recognize him as uh, Beverly Leslie. I couldn't yeah. think of the character's name for mm-hmm. a second. From Will and Grace. He was really one of the best parts of Will and Grace. Any scene with him was hilariously funny. And he died at 67 after crashing his car into the side of a building after apparently experiencing some kind of medical emergency, like a stroke or a Probably. heart attack. Um, he was under five feet tall. He actually, in his 20s, tried to become a... Um, jockey like a racing jockey oh um in his later 20s he gave up that idea earned a theater degree and in 1982 took a bus to hollywood and he you know had a bunch of guest spots on shows like the fall guy murphy brown new heart um hearts of fire reasonable doubt um but it wasn't until will and grace that he really blew up and in 2006 he won an emmy for playing uh beverly leslie he was born in 1955 in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Um, he eventually became highly addicted to crystal meth um, and then recovered from it. He said to, to the Guardian newspaper in 2021, I tell people, if you want to get sober, try 27 days in the L.A. men's county jail. At 42, he kicked his addictions to meth and alcohol. Um, he was in the movie The Help. He wrote a book. He you know, became very famous during the pandemic for his hilarious and touching Instagram posts. Um, But here's the part of this that really freaks me out, Drew. Yeah, what is that? If he died at 67, that means the first time we ever saw him on Will and Grace, Mm -hmm. he was 45. That's crazy. I am 51. I know. And I'm not saying I look so great for 51. You do. But that man was six years younger than me the first time we ever heard him go, well, well, well. I know. He's kind of, well, he's like an old soul. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like he hasn't aged from that moment even up until now. His no, passing. he looked 67 then and he looked 67 at the time of his death. Also, I had no idea he was had a, a meth problem. Yeah, I had heard that. I, th- I was like, oh my God. But he was such a delightful actor and person and everyone who knew him did you ever meet him i never did okay, i'm the I only like, gay okay. who didn't post a picture of myself on social media next to leslie jordan when i he died. know i mean literally every every gay i know apparently met leslie jordan and yeah. took a selfie but um but he was just beloved and i want to just play this clip because only like six weeks ago he was interviewed by megan mullally 
at this like book festival because I guess he was promote, promoting his book. And he was telling her the story of the day he auditioned for Beverly Leslie. His mother called him right as he was leaving for the audition and started prattling on about some woman at her church who had been shot following some tire slashings at the church. And she was just going on and on and on. And he was like, Mom, I have to go. I have to go to this audition. So take a listen to this. She said, anyway, the story just went on and on and on. And uh, Wanda, there were some boys out there. And, you know, Wanda liked to have that cigarette between Sunday school and the morning service. And the, st the story just went on and on and on. Well, I finally got to the audition. And the only one in the room was Joni uh, Marchenko. Uh -huh. You remember Joni? One of the writer producers. One of the writer producers yeah. was just sitting there. And I walked in and I said, I'm so sorry, I'm late. This woman in my church got shot. And I started, <laughs> I started telling her the story. And she goes, You're it. <laughs> You're it. He was so great. He's so funny. He's so funny. Just everything he said was funny. So rest in peace, yeah. Leslie Jordan. Uh, we will miss you and love you forever. In other really fucking dismal news, <clears throat> the Moscow court has rejected Brittany Griner's appeal of her nine-year sentence on drug charges. This happened uh, this past Tuesday. Um, U.S. officials said that they believe Russia will eventually send the WNBA star home in a prisoner swap, but it's not going to happen anytime soon. Um you know, she was she was accused and convicted of trying to enter Russia to join her club team, um, and custom officials found vape cartridges containing hashish oil, which she told the court she had packed inadvertently. Um, U.S. officials declared Brittany to be wrongfully detained back in May and have been seeking a prisoner swap ever since. Um, but uh, it, you know, the the this fucking war in Ukraine is yeah. just really hurting her chances of of getting back, and it's terrifying. And here she is languishing in a Russian prison. It's awful. It's awful. That's so horrible. Also, for like a weed cartridge, I mean, it's just such bullshit. It's such like bullshit. Nine years. I mean, like, what in the absolute living fuck is that? I about? mean, Americans have gone to prison for longer than that for marijuana. Of course, yeah. In this country, especially yeah. Black Americans, right. <clears throat> But um, to be in a Russian prison in a foreign country, in a hostile foreign country, it just must be so terrifying. So hopefully there'll be some diplomatic breakthrough. Yeah. But I don't think it's going to happen until this war ends, if it ever does. <sighs> in other news this week, uh, Britain has a new prime minister. His name is Rishi Sunak. He is the first person of color to ever be the prime minister of the UK. That's a good thing. He's the youngest prime minister in, like, hundreds of years. Um, but unfortunately, he's kind of a dick. Wait, really? Oh, he's transphobic? Yeah. Oh, did he say something? Or is it yeah. just, like, implied? Oh, that sucks. So um, <clears throat> he has said that transgender people should be respected, but he also called gender-neutral language and trans-inclusive <laughs> policies part of a recent trend to erase women. And that's very, that's very turfy. That echoes... Um, turf feminists like J.K. Rowling, yeah. so-called feminists. Um, he then promised to release a manifesto for women's rights that would call for banning trans women from using women's restrooms and from women's sports. Um, he is against conversion therapy for gay people, but he doesn't want to include trans people. His, he and his party have supported dropping trans people from that ban um, stating that it could have unintended consequences. Um, he says he supports efforts to end HIV transmission in the UK by 2030, but when he served as chancellor of the Exchequer, which was his most recent job before this, his proposed budget for 2021 contained no funding for that plan. Um, he is He and his wife are worth like $800 million. He's one of the richest people in England. He's richer than King Charles. Um, his parents were born in Africa of Indian Punjabi descent. He's really hot. I mean, he's definitely Britain's hottest prime minister. Okay. Well, you know, a win's a win, I guess. <laughs> I'll take it where he's I He's bringing get conversion it. therapy back, but he's hot. So I, I really do have a bias. Like when I see a hot person, I think like, 
he must really have some goodness in him. And yeah. of course he doesn't. He's a no. piece of shit. Yeah. Yeah. Ugly on the inside, ugly on the out. And you know that's called being toxic. Adam. I know. I'm toxic. <laughs> yeah, it actually fun. is. Like, what? Oh, is the board on? Shade. Yes, I'm toxic. On. What can I tell you? Um, listen, <clears throat> I know I'm wrong. He's a terrible person. Yeah. Um, the good news is his party is way down in the polls in England, <clears throat> and okay. eventually, I don't know how it works there. They don't have regular elections. They like call an election every when a when a certain situation arises. They're they're they have to call an election, and when that happens, whether it's next year or the year after, the year after that, the, the Labor Party is probably going to come roaring back. Mm. Of course, by then, the United States will be a fascist dictatorship yep. <laughs> under Donald Trump, but maybe we can all move to England. Damn. I'm trying to bring you guys good news, but there is none. <laughs> there are no bad news There's no today. fucking good news. Eesh. All right, well, here's kind of a cute story. So – here in New York, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, or AOC, she's running for re-election. She's definitely going to be re-elected. You know, her district favors her like yeah. 80% to 20%. Mm-hmm. But her uh, rallies and speeches have been getting interrupted by these right-wing protesters who are not people from her constituency. They're just a bunch of fucking assholes. Yeah. Um, anti-abortion, anti-gay, anti-trans, et cetera. So she was speaking on October 19th, and a bunch of these assholes showed up and started chanting, um, you know, about getting rid of her. But one of them had a drum, and they had a really catchy beat going. Like, the the fact that they were right-wing assholes, surprisingly, did not stop them from having really good rhythm. And so AOC, because she could no longer speak, she was drowned out by them, she started dancing to the beat. So this is really more of a visual story, but take a listen to how it sounded. And so she's like on the stage kind of dancing to that. And Top 40s head yeah. in the making. I just love that they brought a drum. Yeah. <laughs> so all these right-wing assholes on Twitter were blasting her saying like, she doesn't even care about her constituents. Look at her dancing while they're trying to make a statement. And I was like, all this proves is that AOC is awesome. Yeah, literally. Like it's the perfect response. And can like troll the trolls. Yeah. Right. What the hell else is she going to do? Right. Um, a spokesperson for her said the disruptors at last night's town hall are, were part of a far right wing group that regularly protests at vaccine clinics against LGBTQ rights, etc. They were not constituents. We're grateful that we were still able to have a meaningful dialogue in spite of the outsiders. Um, as I said, Ocasio-Cortez is up uh, for reelection. Her Republican opponent is someone named Tina Forte. I literally didn't know her name until now. That's how little chance she has of winning. Yeah. Kind of sounds like a drag name also. Tina Forte? Yeah. <laughs> like a little bit. Can I just say my favorite part of this story is her dancing, but then also the replies on Twitter. There's, they like, oh, new AOC video dance coming soon. And it looked like this girl just killing it. Eating it. I'm just like, yeah. This this is the mode from now on. Has that gone like viral on TikTok yet? I have to imagine they're gonna like remix the shit Probably. out of that. Yeah, yeah, sure. Give it time. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, has uh has either of you watched the Dahmer series on Netflix? I did, yeah. I know JB doesn't want to. What did you think? I watched it too. What did you think, Drew? Um I mean it was like it was like a Ryan Murphy affied serial killer show. So I mean, I don't think we should be like, oh wow, the serial killer is kind of cute. Like that seems like not like maybe the moment. Um, it was fine. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of in terms of the protest. I'm kind of like, yeah, maybe we shouldn't be glorifying this man in that way. You know. I mean, but what I, are your I, thoughts? I didn't feel like it, I didn't feel it glorified him. I actually thought you, an, there's an argument to be made as to whether or not this series should have ever happened, right? right? And there are good arguments as to why it shouldn't have. Sure. That said, I thought they went out of their way to tell the victim stories and also to make it clear that if it weren't for racism and homophobia, he would have been caught 10 years before he was. Right. You know, none of those men had to die. Yeah. Because had he not been a white guy living in a black neighborhood and choosing black victims. Yeah. There would have been a huge uproar. Right. Oh my God, all these white guys are disappearing. We have to find the killer. No, it was like, 
Nobody gave, gave a shit. And black people called the police yeah. from his neighborhood, from his building, and said, this building smells like death. He's fucking creepy. They're uh, screaming and yeah. yelling coming from his apartment. And the police did nothing. Yeah. The police returned one of his victims to him, an underage boy. That is really Running naked on the street. Up. Yeah. Because Dahmer told them that there was a lover's quarrel, and they believed him, and they sent this boy back to his death. So <laughs> in that sense, I think it was actually an important series. Sure. But I get why people didn't want it made, especially victims' families. Yeah. So one of the people who didn't want it made and is angry about it is Dahmer's father, who's still kicking. Um, his name's Lionel. He was played by Richard Jenkins beautifully in the series. And yeah. he's come forward to accuse Netflix of glamorizing his son's crimes. Um, he's now 86. And uh, he was unhappy that he wasn't contacted about the project and that Netflix never asked permission to use tape recordings from his son's legal team in the documentary. Um, he also is said to be a nervous wreck over the renewed attention on his son, worried that deranged fans may show up to his home. So one of the unintended consequences of all of this Dahmer mania happening right now is that somebody started selling Dahmer Halloween costumes on eBay, which I have to say is very lazy. If you look at that costume, it's not – I mean, JB, you could make that costume <laughs> for no money just pulling shit out of your closet. He didn't wear anything particularly no, strange. No, just like the glasses. Just big glasses and yeah. blonde hair. That's uh -huh. basically all you need to do and just speak in that flat – Midwestern accent. Yeah, someone. Actually, you can probably do the dumber no, voice. No, literally, I was at um, I was at a drag show the other day, and I was at the urinal, and a guy looked at me and went, "Hey, Jeffrey Dahmer," and I was like, "Don't say that! Don't oh say that!" Can you do the voice? Um, I don't even think so. Oh yeah, you betcha. Yeah, I don't know why I do these things. I'm trying to stop, yeah, but just, I can't. I just want a beer. <laughs> anyway, eBay uh has come out against these costumes saying that they uh, prohibit sellers from listing items that promote or glorify violence or are associated with violent individuals. But that has not stopped online shoppers from searching for everything from wireframe glasses to orange jumpsuits to masks that specifically look like Dahmer. And, and the series even shows that while the trial was going on, there were already comic books out. Yeah. Jeffrey Dahmer comic books, which is so fucked up. Yeah, people are sick. People, I mean, he got love letters in jail. Yeah. From men and women. Yeah. Well, people are obsessed. I mean, and also the fact, I mean, they were like, oh, he's like making these zombies. It's so dark. It's like, I can't believe we were like, he's a, you know, has a fan base, which is crazy. Oh, he has way more fans than I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you need some of those fans to listen to this podcast. Dahmer's social media manager. Damn. Get on me. And he's also been dead since 93. Yeah. Um, He got murdered in prison. Mm-hmm. Anyone listening doesn't found know God. that. Yeah, he did find God before that. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of controversial Halloween costumes, the spirit – what's it called? Spirit of Halloween? Yeah. yeah. Which spirit, is like – I didn't even Halloween. know about this, which is a major Halloween costume franchise. Yep. They have come out to deny that they are selling a costume called Gay Guy. A fake spirit Halloween costume has gone viral – um, it depicts a guy with a, a cute guy with a buzzed and bleached hair wearing a tank top tucked into light washed jeans draped in a pride flag. And it simply says, gay guy. I printed this out for you guys so you could see. It, he looks a little like Bieber. That is so funny. Also, just gay guy. Like, so once this started making the rounds, people on Twitter were getting all upset. One gay guy tweeted, My culture is not your costume. Others followed suit, but as the image continues to spread, tell them. Uh, it's become apparent that not everyone is in on the joke. Um, the, retail, the retailer has responded again and again to say that, no, this is not an officially licensed piece of merchandise. Um, <laughs> what's happened then, and I'm sure you guys have seen this, is there now there are a ton of these Spirit of Halloween memes of like fake costumes. Like I saw one that was like smelly top. That was one of the costumes. That's I hilarious. saw that too. I thought it was hilarious. It was on my Instagram. <laughs> like, I was like, this isn't a real costume. But if it is, I'm probably I can't this. remember any. Can you guys remember any of the others that are out there? There was one that like just had nothing there. And it was like, it was like, um, like my relationship with my father. And it was like, that's where you could go. I was like, that's kind of, and there was just like nothing on the thing. I was like, that's kind of good. <laughs> like, oh yeah, I saw, I saw that. 
empty package too, but yeah. it said my my boyfriend. Sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like my love life. I mean, that's, yeah, you could use that a lot, but. Hilarious. Well, we have one final Halloween story, which is that a Texas couple claims that their house is haunted by horny ghosts. <laughs> this is happening in Gainesville, Texas. Uh, Linda Hill and her husband claim that um, there have been tons of spectral calls of, oh, baby, oh, baby, yeah. And yeah, I like it like that around the house. It sounds like this. Hall even claimed that one of the ghosts approached her while showering and said to her, looking good. I mean, there are worse th- problems, I think. I what if you had of... a scary ghost haunt your house? Yeah, it was like, I'm going to kill you in your sleep. I can't think of better ghosts That's to be I'm... haunted by. There's literally not one. We had a discussion <laughs> before we went on the air about whether if you had a horny ghost in your house, yeah. would you have sex with him? And I said, 100%. Yeah, 10 out of 10. Talk about safe sex. Mm-hmm. Two things. One, the best part about this story was watching Drew's face while we played the thing. The straight gangbang. Yeah, because he was so disturbed <laughs> and shocked. And I was like, this is <laughs> okay, for a moment, I thought that was like tape that they had had. Like, I was like, is that actually the horny go? I was like, oh my God, they got it on no, camera. I was like, that's our generic me. straight gangbang I sound effect it. that we play pretty much every show. I love and that. Two, again, this reminds me of an episode I watch of Doom Patrol when there's horny ghosts, literally horny ghosts, fucking all around the house. I don't know how I feel about that because they left spectral jizz, and that's not okay with me. Yeah, I wouldn't want to clean up spectral jizz. But I mean, if you just let, you know, if they just come inside you, then that takes care and of it. And wouldn't it like disintegrate? Oh. I mean, this would cause problems. Yeah. <laughs> but you guys, there's a history behind this. The hauntings stem from the home's history as a bordello, as well as a 19-foot well underneath the living room, which I guess was like where the sex would happen. And they think it serves as a spiritual portal. Um Ryan Murphy is a purveyor of pink... Wait a minute, what? I don't understand that paragraph at all. I'm just going to quit that. Um, It doesn't seem like the spirits inhabiting this house are malicious. Um, It's just like they just deliver casual compliments and there's some bumping and grinding. It hasn't been determined whether the ghosts can make physical contact with the living or not. But um, yeah, I don't think there's uh, anything to be scared of. I'm kind of kind of jealous, honestly. It'd be nice to have a ghost say, like, hey, you sexy thing, morning. <laughs> oh my God, you know, I always wanted <laughs> you know? Your ass is looking so good in those pants. Yeah, like you wake up, you're not feeling yourself, and then all of a sudden a ghost is like, I want to fuck the shit out of you. And you're like, you know what, I still got it. Like, I'm, I'm with it. <laughs> the only kind of ghost I want is the one from Angel where, where Cordelia had. It was a helpful ghost that got her coffee open her doors protect her I need that kind of bitch what if it looked like Casper and it was just like hi fuck me (laughs) you know as long as that sexy was he is is Casper is it of age is it an 18 plus year old ghost sure let's say for the sake of well I'm not saying I want to fuck Casper but if Casper was of age and he was a ghost (laughs) your standards are very low Drew certainly yeah but you know you you live once as long as you're of age and a ghost well no that's not no but I don't you know I mean youngest I would go is like actually 23 probably but I'm just saying (laughs) if it was a ghost and I would want the experience but I mean also let's say for the sake of argument that it was an underage ghost it's still not a real person so I don't think you could be arrested for that well it's that, just you wouldn't be into I it. wouldn't be able to but live with myself. Yeah. yeah. I would know. I'd be like, well, I feel and dirty. I would be disappointed, but yeah. Like, what can't... if it was like a very mature 17 and a half year old ghost? <laughs> no, because I will know. <laughs> We're like a big dick. I'm not fucking a kid ghost, okay? It's not happening. <laughs> All right. On that note, <laughs> our guest today is an adorable man who wears many hats, but no condoms. He is a psychotherapist, author, educator, and activist for prep and gay men's sexual health in general. The Advocate named him one of 35 leading HIV activists. He's also the host of a delightful podcast called Tub Talks, in which he interviews guests naked in a bathtub. I was a recent guest. Take a listen. Uh, How did you, you tested positive in 2004. Yeah. How and when do you remember learning about U equals U, about the science that undetectable means untransmittable? I think... Well, first of all, I had to learn. Yeah, I'm just gonna shift myself. I think first, <laughs> first I learned 
what undetectable meant because mm-hmm. I had to, mm-hmm. for, to for my own treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, for a long time in medical communities, they were saying, well, you know, undetectable brings down risk, but they were still using the term risk. They were still saying yes. it wasn't zero for quite a while. Do you remember, like, when you, was there a moment that you can recall when you actually learned that undetectable means zero risk? I mean, I want to say it was around the time that, like, the We Are All Clean mm-hmm. movement with Jack McEnroe mm-hmm. was, was starting. I, I posed with my butt out for okay. that at the time. Uh, still have that picture on my phone. It's yeah. a good one. It's me in the shower, naked. Mm-hmm. And please give a warm ass welcome to Damon Jacobs. <laughs> How are ya? Damon. Hey. I'm so happy to have you in my ass. I'm so happy to be had. It's I, so great to be here. Thank you for, for everybody in the studio. Thank yeah, you. I have to tell you, yeah. that was one of the most fun interviews I ever did. There is something about being naked with someone in a bathtub, having a serious conversation that is it's both surreal and very intimate. Yes, they're serious conversations in a silly situation. Because I think nudity is just silly and it's fun, but that's really the preferred way that I like to do interviews and have conversations. What am I doing? Oh, you want to put it in my face? Stick that big mic. Stick it in my face. Okay. Well, all right then. Uh, I started this series because I've done a lot of interviews in the past, like red carpet stuff or celebrity stuff, and everybody always has their facade. Everybody always has their persona on, and nothing wrong with that, but. You know, post-COVID, post-everything we've been through, I was like, at this stage of my life, at this stage of my career, if I'm going to do any kind of interviews at all with celebrities like the great Adam Sank, they've got to be naked. Well, Otherwise, if, what's? I just don't want to do down. bullshit interviews if you ever, If any of you listening ever have the opportunity to be interviewed naked in a bathtub, I do recommend it. It was so much fun. Um, a small bathtub, by the way. <laughs> and I've seen you in it with some pretty big guys. Yeah. So it, it gets very cozy. <laughs> you, yes. and, you and I first met in 2011. Yeah. At a fundraising event called Love Out Loud, which was an HIV/AIDS fundraiser that was involved soap operas. Yeah. I don't even remember exactly. Do you? What was what, what what was happening there? So I was doing a lot of reporting and interviews for a website called We Love Soaps TV because we yes. were also on YouTube and we were doing them online. And one of our friends named Giovanni also did a lot of fundraising around HIV um, organizations in New York City, and he had this yearly event called Love Out Loud at uh, Prohibition Bar on mm. the Upper West mm-hmm. Side. And so he, we joined with him to collect a group of Broadway performers, soap opera actors, and just general New York celebrities, who we love, like Adam Sank, to <laughs> join together, to come together so fans could meet them and socialize with them and donate money to um, the GMHC AIDS Walk every year. And soap operas are kind of extinct at this point. That's well, what's so they sad. are and they aren't. If you think about it, the continuing story format is now being used on all the Netflix shows and all the shows you're talking about. I True. mean, that format is being used. But that ongoing, never-ending saga that used to be on daytime television five days a week is not extinct, but it is getting pretty scarce. Sad to say. Yes. Uh, it, it's, it's definitely not like it was, especially when I was growing up. Soaps like ruled daytime. Damon, when I think about prep, like your face comes into my head. You oh, you are good. so associated with sort of the movement to educate people about prep. How did you become the face of prep? Well, if, and the if, ass of prep. <laughs> I was gonna say, I, I of all the things to be known for in my life and my career, bareback sex is one of them, and that's I'm good with that. Hey. But that it was a little bit ironic because for the first twenty uh, years of my career. Uh, <laughs> Are the, was that me or the ghost? That, the I, both. I, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I got aware, I became aware of PrEP very early on in 2010. At 2010 is when the research and the science started to get published around PrEP. And I was working at Project Achieve in Union Square doing outreach and education for HIV vaccine trials at the time. And when you're doing outreach in the community, it's really, really important you're aware of all the medical advancements towards preventing HIV, not just the thing you're recruiting for. So I learned about PrEP in 2010. I decided for myself this would be a really great way to stay HIV negative and get fucked without condoms on a regular basis Mm. back in 2011 and started using it July 19th, 2011 and was just like, this feels amazing. This feels great. I'm having the best sex of my life. I never imagined sex could be so good. And I wanted to just tell everybody about it. Because positive sexuality and sexual agency is a conduit by which we maintain mental and spiritual health. 
And so if I had a message, and nobody else would talk about it at the time, the media, the New York State Department of Health, Callan Lord, nobody would give out this information. So I was like, all right, if no one else is going to do it, I have a Wi-Fi connection, I have a cup of coffee, and I really don't even need that much coffee to get the word out that PrEP is real, PrEP is effective, PrEP is affordable, PrEP is accessible, and it's going to give you the best fucking sex of your life. And I started talking and talking and talking about that back in 2012, and here we are today. It is amazing because, you know, there's always been shame around gay sex. For centuries, there was shame around it because it was criminalized, it was persecuted, prosecuted, you know, you were told you were sick and wrong. Then, just as that started to lift, AIDS, right? And so I think the, the resistance that you came up against was, was really about shame. And I'm wondering, I feel that it has, but I'm wondering if you feel in the past decade that we've sort of gotten past that or made progress where it is, it is no longer so shameful for a gay man to just have unprotected sex, or not unprotected, but, but condomless. Condomless and unprotected, those are two very yes, different I, things. I shouldn't, I misspoke. That's okay, I don't think the shame is gone. I think what you, we saw in terms of the pushback for PrEP, as well as U equals U, was trauma. That was trauma-informed. That was people within our community extremely traumatized by the AIDS crisis who were, in their brains, they could not discern condomless sex with death and disease and devastation and trauma. So it was people who had lived through the worst of the AIDS crisis that were most vehemently opposed to PrEP and U equals U, not on the medical basis, not on, on the science basis, but because of shame and stigma and dogma and trauma. Because these concepts have become more normalized over the last 10 years, I think there is less stigma and resistance to science in terms of PrEP and U equals U. And as we said earlier, U equals U means someone who's living with HIV and undetectable cannot possibly sexually transmit HIV to their partners. So the people Provided that were opposed they're taking to that, their meds it, and, when they're undetectable, yes. when they're taking their meds, people who were opposed to that have largely come around to that. But I don't think the shame is gone because as we saw with COVID, as we saw with monkeypox, that, that idea of shaming gay men for connecting and fucking is still right there. And it was happening all over social media. It was happening in the real world. It was happening on Grindr all during the COVID and the monkeypox crises as well. So I don't think the shame has gone anywhere. Well, I want to play devil's advocate for a moment because Please. you mentioned you mentioned these pandemics. Yes. Aside from those, uh, syphilis is at its highest rate in seventy years yeah. across the general population. Yeah. Gonorrhea yeah. soaring. Yeah. Uh, chlamydia soaring. I just got over oral chlamydia last week. Uh, we do know that these things increase when condom usage goes down or is eliminated. So. Ah. You're saying that's false. That's a false premise. I am saying correlation is not causation, and here's what I mean by that. It is around the same time that PrEP was, was approved and started to be used more widely that the ACA was passed and started implemented, which was January of 2014. What that meant is that people who are on PrEP are expected to get three-site testing, the butt, the penis, and the throat, at least three My times. My three favorite places. At least four times a year if they're following CDC protocol. So what does that mean? Let's say, Adam, you and I go to an orgy tonight, and let's say I'm on prep, and uh, I know. Let's say uh, we find some really ha handsome ghosts. Let's say you're not in medical care on a regular basis and not getting tested. I'm getting tested on a regular basis because of prep. So we go to an orgy tonight and we both get exposed to anal gonorrhea. What that means is in a couple of weeks, I'm going to go to wherever I go, usually the Chelsea Clinic, get swabbed, and I'm going to find out, oh, you have gonorrhea in your butt. Let's give you treatment for that. Okay. So I get tested, I get treated, and then I get documented in a chart. For having that. Now, let's say three months later, we're at another orgy. I have to go back to Chelsea Clinic and I get treated for gonorrhea again. I am once again tested, treated, and documented. But if you're not on PrEP and you're not connected to health services, Adam, you're going to be running around with gonorrhea in your butt this whole time and probably not know it and continue to have it and give it to others and never be documented for it. This is why people on PrEP appear on paper to be documented at higher rates of STIs than people who are not on PrEP. However... That does not mean that we are causing it. And if you can see the trajectory of STIs in this country, they went up way before PrEP was known about, way before PrEP was ever implemented on a wider basis. And by the way, to your last point, what do we do about these exponential rises of syphilis and gonorrhea and chlamydia? Oh, what do we have for that? 
We have an innovative biomedical intervention called doxycycline, which is an antibiotic that has been with us for decades that is generic. I just took it to get rid of my throat chlamydia. And that is a way that many of us now prevent syphilis, chlamydia, and gonorrhea. We have four studies that have shown over the last five years that using doxycycline proactively that significantly, not per perfectly, but significantly prevents chlamydia, syphilis, and gonorrhea. So that is what I and so many of the sluts are using to prevent STIs, and it's working quite well. But aren't there both uh, public health and personal health risks associated with constantly being on an antibiotic? Aren't we then uh, uh, causing... Uh, bacteria, uh, what am I saying, antibiotic-resistant bacteria to grow and make it harder to treat? And aren't we also, uh, you know, basically, they're, they're, it's not good, not healthy to be on an antibiotic 365 days okay. a year. So let's ask the adults out there in the audience who are using doxycycline on an intermittent basis throughout their entire lives to manage acne skin issues, malaria, Lyme disease. Doxycycline is a commonly used antibiotic in much greater dosages that are used by adults all over the world on a regular basis, on and off. And they're not running around with all this like chlamydia-resistant gonorrhea and all this like <laughs> doxy-resistant chlamydia and syphilis. That's not happening. When we're talking about STI prevention, we are talking about very, very low dosages, 200 milligrams within 72 hours of an exposure. 200 milligrams is usually just two pills. Just 200 milligrams after exposure to an STI reduces the possibility that one will get an STI by about 80% depending on a few variables. But the most recent trial out of the uh, UC San Francisco showed that 200 milligrams, 72 hours after a sexual exposure, reduced syphilis by 88%, chlamydia by 89%, and gonorrhea by 55%. So what if we, re when you prevent a bacteria or a virus from spreading, you can't have resistance to it. You only have resistance to something you actually get. All of that makes sense. And you definitely, you know, have done your homework. But what do you say to the gay guy or the bi guy who's listening Not to this? Not just in the home. It's the street work. <laughs> hotel work. It's the hey. bathtub work. <laughs> Sorry. But, but what do you say to the, the gay or bisexual guy who's listening who says, but I don't want to take all those pills. Can't I just use condoms? Of course. You can do any – look. We You're not anti-condom. I'm not anti-anything. Well, I am I'm anti-thing some things. Okay, I'm anti-fascist. I know. Pro, I am about being proactive, responsible, and empowered about our pleasure and protection. That's P-R-E-P, -E prep. Proactive, responsible, empowered pleasure. Oh, you're like the Gary Busey of gay sex. There you go. Wait, no, that's not a compliment. <laughs> I don't want, no, I'm not going to take that one. He's famous for his acronyms. Okay, no, I don't want to take that one. I don't like him. Um, anything that people want to do that helps them to feel proactive, responsible, and empowered about their pleasure and protection that is evidence-based, I'm fully in support of. So condoms can be the way to do that. PrEP can be the way to do that. U equals U can be the way to do that. Doxycycline, Gyanos, whatever people want to do, whatever combination thereof, that allows them to feel agency in their sexual pleasure and allows them to have the most sex they want to have with as many people as they want to have and minimize the risk and the consequences of that. What about the sort of mental health, spiritual health side of it? <laughs> what about people who uh, are struggling with sex addiction or sexual compulsion and feel like well, it's not so much my medical health that I'm worried about, it's that my life is unmanageable, that so, all I do is have sex. So I'm really glad you're asking about that because that is, first of all, there's a lot of debate about whether sex addiction is a real thing in the mental health community. But I think anytime someone does not feel agency or control of their day-to-day -day decisions, that in itself is a problem. Whether we are talking about sex, whether we are talking about Netflix or Facebook or gambling, um, anytime someone feels out of control of their food. behaviors or food, that in itself, drugs, alcohol, that in itself is the issue. It's not the sex part. Do people have problems um, in terms of feeling out of control with their decisions in life? Yes, absolutely. Is sex one of those things? Yes, absolutely. Does PrEP or U equals U or doxycycline promote that? Absolutely not. These are science-based interventions that are based in harm reduction. It's like saying, oh, if we give people um, safe needles to use for drug uh, for, for injections, for drug injections, are you promoting addiction to heroin? No. What we're doing is working in a frame of harm reduction, harm reduction. to help people reduce harm and have the most experiences they want to have with reduced consequences. But I'm curious, Damon, because you are a psychotherapist. Yes. Do you believe sex addiction is real? No. Wow. 
I believe people feel out of control with their behaviors. Sex addiction is not in the DSM. It is not a category in the DSM. But compulsive behaviors are, which are not limited to sex or gambling or whatever, drugs. They are limited to saying that when we are out of, when we do not have agency over our bodies and our decisions, that is inherently problematic. That is going to lead to a. You know that when someone has sex or is in pursuit of sex or has an orgasm, anything around sex, that there are chemicals released in the brain. You don't think that those chemicals can be addictive? That someone who sits there in front of their computer watching porn and masturbating for hours day after day after day has you don't think that's a problem if they don't have agency over that that's a problem if it's messing Even if they do have agency over it it, no. it 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 seems to me that that's not really a balanced life i would say that if someone is masturbating to porn hours a day and feeling peace around that and feeling rooted in that and maintaining a life that's meaningful for them whatever that means and able to hold a job and able to you know keep a roof over their head then i don't see the problem if it's not a problem for them it's not up to me to tell other people what the problem is what i will tell you this what i have seen over the last 26 years as a therapist is that regardless of where we're at and what anyone is doing or what biomedical interventions are available to them this pathologizing of gay sex has been prevalent as you mentioned earlier, throughout our entire mental health history, throughout our entire history of Western civilization, and that gay men carry the brunt of that even today, that they're referred to as compulsive pathological or acting out when they have healthy sexual desire and act on that. That is what, if people got rid of that, if we could fight that, I would have... I would not have as much business as I have today. And that is part of the paradigm that I work with gay men is to change. This this paradigm of pathology and sick acting out versus saying you are empowered, you are beautiful, whether you have a ghost telling you or not in the morning, you're beautiful, you are strong. And based on that, how can you find or seek connection in a way that feels healthy and whole for you? Yes, well, I for, said whole. For the, re- <laughs> for the record, and I'm not a psychotherapist, I don't have your training I do think sexual addiction is real and sexual yeah. compulsion is real. And I think it is important to separate that from healthy sexuality. Mm-hmm. But there is such thing as as not unhealthy sexuality, but unhealthy compulsion. And I think that the thing about being a, a gay man, and, and, and this may sound stereotypical, but because we are men, we are evolutionarily programmed to be constantly on the hunt for sex. And so that is the particular struggle I find as a gay man is that – I'm always wanting it. Every other gay guy out there I meet is always wanting it. And it makes intimacy more challenging than perhaps a lesbian relationship or a heterosexual relationship. Not that we're pathological, just that because there's no no one to put the brakes on and say, hey, maybe we should like have a date first or maybe like we don't have to fuck the second that we meet. Because we're both guys, it's just like, no, let's fucking do this. Well, and I would say that if that's not working for you or if that's interfering with other goals in your life, then that is internal discord. That's dissonance. And that is something really worth exploring, whether that's with a therapist or or however you wish to explore that. That sounds like that's part of the journey of finding a way to find some resolution around that. I think what is starts to become problematic is when we overgeneralize that to other people. And right. That's what I right. see. It's all about how I feel community. about myself, not how right. I feel about you. Right. It's when your behavior people, is, is up to you. Right. It's when doctors and behavioral specialists and therapists start to pathologize gay men because of their own subjective experience that it starts to harm others. Right. And that is what I'm very, very cautious about and aware of. This has been a fascinating discussion, but I want to get to uh, Ask Me No Questions because I think you're going to be fun to play with. So hit it, JB. Ask me no questions. Ask me no questions. Yeah. Damon Jacobs, what's the sexiest part of a man's body? Oh, chest. I'm Interesting. A chest oh, yeah. Big. Big, hairy, like, yeah. Big, 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 hairy pecs. Yep. Interesting. Oh, yeah. Drew, you and I are shit out of luck. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, you're kind of hairy, I guess. Oh, yeah. But flat. Yeah. A cups. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Um, flat and hairy. What's, where's the strangest place you've ever had sex? It's oh oh in college during a student protest we were um, storming the McHenry Library on the Santa Cruz campus and we camped there overnight and I had sex on the floor of the McHenry Library and uh, UC Santa Cruz. Yeah. That's such woke sex. Yeah. I love it. I know. Were there other people around you? Yeah. And they were just ignoring you? Yeah, we were under the sleeping bag, in the sleeping bag, being very uh, cautious. Yeah. Uh, 
That's what it sounded like. Um, what is your favorite genre? I don't even know if you watch porn, but if you do, what is your favorite genre of porn? I don't like porn all that much. I really don't. But if I do, it would be something that's homemade, like amateur porn. Yes. Something where they're not all greasy and oily and methy. It's just like two people who are <laughs> yeah. just like want to fuck and sometimes it's clumsy or awkward or there's like negotiation or it's like ow stop or no go faster. But just natural sex, not the produced icky stuff. Interesting. So there's not a particular like scene that gets you off. No. Leather I, I, or domination or. Not really. Interesting. That's an interesting answer. I, it would be more the 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 bodies and the sounds. Like if they feel like natural guys who really like each other, who are attracted to each other. I just think that's beautiful. I can get into that. Yeah, I think it's beautiful too, but I can't jerk off to it. I like a yeah, with you a can. Story. I like a, <laughs> I like a mean top, calling the bottom all sorts of humiliating names. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I'm old school because I just bottom. didn't grow up having access to porn. Like it yeah. wasn't where my synaptic like I didn't really thing either. Happened. I didn't really know what that was. I only had access to my father's straight VHS tapes like in the 80s. And <laughs> I, I, I like, would cover half the screen <laughs> as I was jerking off. What were you going to say? I would I had people who I babysat for who had a subscription to Penthouse. Yeah, there you go. And Penthouse often had one penis. Just they had lots of and vaginas so and much vagina. one man's hairy penis every month and that would be my that would be the thing. <laughs> um, who besides me has been your favorite guest on the Tub Talks podcast? <laughs> well, I, other than you, I don't know. You, 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 who can I compare this to? I've had 72 episodes now. I really love everyone. I learn from everyone. I think the one that I learned the most from was a therapist in Seattle named Ed Swaya, who wrote a book called Sex, Death, and Tantra. Because the way he talks about death and grief in terms of sex and tantra and ejaculation was just unlike anything I'd ever heard before or learned about before. And I really want to learn more about this. So, What's his name? Ed Swaya. Oh, I have to watch that one. He is based in Seattle, but he comes out to New York. He'd be great for this show. And um, that is the one where I absolutely was just sitting there and like, my mind was being blown in a million directions. Who would be like your dream guest? Someone that you haven't had on, but would give anything to have naked in your bathtub? Justin Vivian Bond. Oh yeah. She's, Z is great. Yeah. Right? Isn't that the pronoun they prefer? <laughs> Z? Mix, um, MX. MX, that's yeah. right. Amazing. Yeah. And you again. I'm actually seeing um, Kiki and Herb. Yes. In November Give or Justin December. Justin my love. Very, very excited. Still wishing. We've, Still hoping. We, we've had Herb on this show. Okay. We've never had Justin. Um, what is the best advice your mom or dad ever gave you? Oh my goodness. That is such a great question. I think from my mother and father who are both very beautiful, strong, powerful people in their lives and overcame obstacles in their lives that, um, I wasn't even aware of till later as an adult was just this idea of like, okay, trust who you are. Maybe you don't fit in. Maybe you're going to be awkward. Maybe people are going to make fun of you. Maybe you're not the smartest. Maybe you're not the best, but you have something to say. You have a way to say it. Use your brain. My dad always taught me to use facts when I get into debates with other people, which I just did with you just now. Mm. And my mother always just demonstrated what it meant to come from a heart place when you're talking and engaging with other people and trying to have a conversation. And I just, I've learned so much from both of them. Wow. They sound like amazing parents. They are. I'm a little jealous. And they might be listening to this. Yeah. Like, oh they listen to their son talking about butt sex all the time. So that let's give them credit for that. Yeah. That's not the easiest thing. My, my yeah. mother thinks this podcast is too dirty. Um, and finally, when it comes to dicks, how big is too big? Gosh, that's <laughs> I don't have a too big. And remember, I'm more yeah, of a chess man. The limit am, does not exist. Look, people ask me this all the time. And it's like I don't. I don't really get the thing because you can – if someone's a top, we can make it work no matter what. If they if they're, um, if they they have the kind of chest that I like, we're going to make it work no matter what. And what do you want to do with the chest? Oh, what do I – rub my face all over it, my hands all over it, my body all over it. It's just – it's wonderful. Yeah. So interesting and yeah, specific. That's, yep. um, I was just saying at this Halloween party last night, a, a really huge dick, it's fun to look at and hold and kind of – way in your hands but like what are you gonna do with it i can't can suck it or get fucked yes, by you it. Can. oh yeah yes, you, you can, can. Yes, i have you a very can. petite mouth and <laughs> um, breathe, see, we'll talk breathing 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 <laughs> damon tub talks is available on youtube and uh, tell the listeners all the other ways they can follow you online so come to tub talks with damon.com or go to damon don't forget the l damon i'm also on facebook instagram at damon l jacobs I don't know. I'm pretty easy. I'm pretty out there. You have been a fabulous guest. Thank I love you. you. Thank you so love much. You. Uh, Drew Lausch, plug yourself. 
Um, I am at Drew Lausch on TikTok, at Real Drew Lausch on Instagram. And we'll see you next week. Yes. And yeah. JB? Uh, I am Stocking Anarchy 12, only on Instagram. And I am Adam Sank on Twitter and Insta, and uh, Adam Sank Official on TikTok. TikTok. That's oh. what I use. I use TikTok. <laughs> we we are back funny. next week. It's where you get your porn. Yes. We are back next week with Deanna Ortiz from the Mr. Man website. Subscribe to this podcast at dnrstudios.com. Don't forget to order your ass merch at adamsank.com. Email me your dick pics, especially the big ones, at adam at adamsank.com. Thank you all for listening. Please vote, vote, Please. vote, Please. and have a great week, bitches. Bye. <laughs>